Welcome back to the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman and I am your host. And if this is your first time tuning in, and this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life, every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and really walk through their story of how they've gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into this week's episode of Next Level Minds, I want to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcasts and then share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague who you think will get some value out of it. Now on to today's guest. I'm fortunate to be sitting down with Rick Elmore. He's a former professional NFL athlete who played for multiple teams. He also spent some time in medical device sales after playing in the NFL for a bit. And then he went on to start his own company, which we're going to chat a lot about today. And that company is Simply Noted, which creates AI-generated handwritten notes. Um, His story is super unique because he pretty much started this company from the ground up. So if starting a business is something that you want to do, definitely keep listening to today's episode because you're going to learn really how he built it from zero to where it is now, which he actually just achieved 200% year over year revenue growth. So again, if you want to grow your business or if you want to start a business, this episode is for you. Other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Level Minds podcast, man. It's great to be here. Thanks, Chris, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm super excited, um, of course, to start diving into your story a bit more, but uh, I know we're sitting at Wednesday right now, so you had a, a pretty decent week so far. Yeah, we're actually in our busy season. Um, you know, for what we do over here, it's simply noted, we do about 30 to 40% of our revenue in November, December. So this is the, the really fun time of the year for us. Nice. I guess it's uh, what people getting out thank you notes, holiday stuff like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Bunch of holiday cards. Yeah. Holiday card. Yeah. End of year stuff. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. So I know obviously uh, with running your own company, right. And then with your background with, with NFL football, I mean, you got to have a extremely strong work ethic. So I'm just kind of curious. I know probably the guest are as well. You know, what, what was your childhood like? I mean, were your parents business owners? I mean, how, how did that kind of align? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, I think I kind of have like a childhood, probably like most of us, um, you know, grew up in a, you know, I would say lower to middle class type of family, you know, I had a blue collar, um, stepdaddy owned his own like small construction business, small, like three or four man crew. Um, my father passed away when I was seven. So that was kind of like the childhood tragedy, you know, uh, that kind of, I would say lit my inner internal fire at a very young age. Um, my mom, uh, was a medical biller who ended up being a business owner, but that kind of just happened organically. Um, she worked for a 
physical therapy office for about seven years, and then that person wanted to retire, so my mom kind of inherited slash bought her practice, mm. but really was just a medical biller. So, yeah, both of my parents were, I would say, you know, small boutique entrepreneurs. Um, what I really liked about that, because I was an athlete growing up, it gave my parents flexibility mm. um, to be around. They went to our practices. You know, they were at everything, and. As a kid, that was really important to me to have that support. Um, my parents, they were just over, over, I mean, incredibly supportive. They did everything. They went to all the camps, you know, all the, the, the practices, every game. Um, I don't think my parents missed a game. And actually, my stepdad, he was my football coach. So, like, he, he would be at, like, my practice coaching as well. So, you know, it was a really cool dynamic. I had an older brother. He played sports, but he was more of, like, a musician. I have a twin brother. So um, having a twin was fun because you basically had, like, a best friend that lived with you and you got to do everything with. So it was, like, play video games, go yeah. outside and play basketball, let's go skateboard, you know, so always had somebody to, to hang out with. But, yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, I, I mean, yeah, very normal, I would say, middle-class family, you know, didn't no nepotism. I'm, I'm, <laughs> like, yeah. My parents couldn't do anything. Like, they couldn't hand anything out. I mean, yeah. you know, they just had, you know, pretty normal careers. So, yeah, I would say my childhood was pretty normal um, for the most part. Yeah, man, absolutely. I, I, I like that you mentioned kind of the flexibility aspect that you noticed that your folks had. Um that kind of makes me want to ask, I mean, how, how do you set up your day-to-day -day where your business isn't kind of controlling you and you're more controlling your schedule? Because I see a lot of business owners want to go into it for flexibility and then it's like, oh my God, I'm working three times as much as I did in corporate America. I don't have any time type of thing. Yeah. So, you know, I, I talk to young entrepreneurs all the time and I try to like, you know, mentor them and before they take the plunge, you know, from leaving their W-2 is to understand why you're doing it. Um, if you're doing it because you want to make tons of money and you want flexibility, don't become an entrepreneur because it's going to take years to get there. Um, you become an entrepreneur because it's in your blood. Um, there's just, and I'll tell you about my story to becoming an entrepreneur, but there was just, I was having success everywhere that I went from athletics to um, corporate medical device sales, um, you know, even with like small projects outside of work, you know, I was super successful, I ever did, but there was just something there. Like you feel it in you. Um, it's like an internal fire that can't be put out and you're trying to figure out what that is. And if you don't have that, um, I would recommend not becoming an entrepreneur because it's going to take so much energy, effort, tears, blood, sweat, um, you know, you're, you're going to go from working 40 hours a week to 100 hours a week um, in those first few years. Um, and it took me, we're just getting, you know, to that point where I'm not doing that. But I knew what I wanted. I, I've never been somebody that was like, hey, replacing my income is good enough. Or being the third best is good enough. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be the best. Like, I want to create opportunities for my kids. I want to raise the level, you know, of our family. Kind of like, you know, help the next generation start off from a higher point so they can take it and run with it. Um, you know, I want to, I want to help my parents in retirement. I mean, there's so much about what I'm doing and or why I'm doing it that helps drive me to do it, that it doesn't bother me to work a lot. Um, plus I'm just so passionate about what I'm doing now. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And, and, uh, and I was always looking, I was always searching. I was like, I had to figure it out, but I finally found it and that's fun. 
Um, once you really find something you're excited about, you know, you don't look at work the same way anymore. Yeah, I really like that you mentioned that because, you know, of course, your first couple of years in business, it's, you know, statistically pretty hard to, to start making a lot of money, right? And if that's just your goal, then I think personally it's easier to burn out because you're like, well, I'm not making money. Well, I guess I'll move on. But you have a really strong why, which I like. So, yeah, yeah. So those first, I think, uh, you know, the the small business statistic is it's like 95% of businesses fail before the before the five years. Yep. Um, and I think it takes like if you're a self-funded company or even if you get loans, it takes five years to become profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are like brick and mortar businesses. You have employees, right? You know. You can own an insurance agency and just run your own book out of your house, right? Or be a real estate agent. But if you're trying to start like a brick and mortar business, you know, uh, where you have to have space and capital equipment and W-2s and pay, you know, <laughs> you know yeah, whatever, yeah, that, yeah, payroll tax, employment tax, like all this <laughs> stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it takes time and it's okay that it takes time. Don't listen to... Like stay, I mean, I consume a lot of content. Like I'm on YouTube all day. Like I'm always looking and trying to learn new things, but 99% of the people out there are full of, sh- you're full of crap. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> they I are, you. you know, like they're just taking, yeah, they're taking advantage of um, the social media like world that we're living in because they can monetize it. Um, just understand that it takes 10 years to become an overnight success, you know, um, you know, I started playing football when I was nine years old. Mm. I really didn't become super good where I just felt really confident in my abilities until I was like a junior or senior in high school. So oh, I was like wow. 18, 19 years old. Um, it just takes a long time. And um, it's okay to take a long time. Um, it's when you try to force things, It's that's when bad things happen. Yeah, man. That uh, So that kind of brings me to the next topic. I want to talk about your transition from playing, you know, college football. I want to hear a little bit about what that was like. And then, of course, going to the NFL. I mean, that, that's obviously awesome. Uh, we talked about that a little bit before we started recording. So um, can you kind of, uh, you played what, for Arizona? Was that it? Yeah, I played for uh, the University of Arizona in yeah. Tucson, Arizona. Um, played for Mike Stoops and Mark Stoops. Mike Stoops with our head coach. Mark Stoops was my defensive coordinator. Um, anybody, you know, I would say from, you know, 30, year, 30 years old and older would probably know who those guys are. They're just incredibly fiery, aggressive, intense types of guys. Um, it actually fit my personality well. Like, I wanted intense people who are just so passionate about what they're doing. But, um, yeah, I got a, a scholarship there with my twin brother. We both played there, redshirted my first year. So, you know, you eat crap that first year. You're just a practice dummy. You're, you're literally working like 20 hours a day, like you're literally wow. getting no sleep. Um, workouts were at 5.30, class started at 8. You know, you're in class until like 1.32. Then you go to training table, you know, work through any bruises, um, go, to, go, to, go to film, then go to practice. Then you go back to study hall, study hall. Then you go to training table to get food. And then if you have, you know, injuries, then you're back in the training room. And then you're getting back to your dorm at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Then you're waking up and doing it all over again for oh <laughs> all intense, right? There's a reason, you know, a lot of people, you know, don't make it through it. But yeah, you know, I had that humble pie my first year. You know, I was coming off a really successful senior season. I, I led California in, in, in the sack category. I had like 29 sacks. Nice. I mean, it was like I set a record that year. So I was feeling really confident. But then you go and you're back at the bottom. You're like under the totem pole. Yeah. Like you're the dirt <laughs> below the dirt. But yeah, by um, 
my sophomore year, I was starting. I had a really good junior and senior year. I led the Pac-10 back then in sacks. My junior and senior year, um, it was just through work ethic. I, I, I'm not a... I'm not an athletically gifted person. I would say I'm physically gifted. I'm a tall guy. I'm 6'5", mm. but I was not athletically gifted. It was just because I wanted it way more than the person next to me. And uh, there's a cool saying that we had in our locker room was um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And that's like, that should be tattooed like on my forehead. So anybody who wants to compete with me will know like I will outwork you. Um, and when you're young, that's an okay thing, but I'm, as a father now, I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to be more efficient <laughs> than just, you know, outwork yeah. everybody. But, um, yeah, after my college career was drafted in the NFL, typical journeyman, um, experience mm. played for six teams and over three and a half years. And then when I got done, I jumped into corporate medical device sales and marketing, um, played or played. Yeah. I worked for Stryker. It was a number four medical company in the world. Um, was rookie of the year for our branch my first year, and then the next five years in med device sales, I was either the number, you know, top one percent or top five rep in our company. And I was just basically what made me successful. Medical device sales was everything that made me successful mm. in um, being an athlete. Just working hard, perseverance, getting back up, taking no, don't take no for an answer, working on your craft, studying, learning from your failures, like. Everything that made me successful as an athlete is, is really, I, I owe my success up until today to being an athlete. Yeah, man, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was literally about to ask like how much of your athletic kind of day-to-day operations um, at Arizona, right, translated to when you were at Stryker. I, I got some friends actually who work for Stryker, um, and I know that can be a grind in the in the medical device sales role. But um, that's super interesting too about the whole like red shirt thing. I mean, is that... What are the hours like? I'm just generally curious. Like once you're just kind of a, out of the redshirt phase, sophomore year, junior year. The college only thing athlete. that's the only thing that's different. Um, and it, it depends on two things. It depends on your school schedule and your grades. The only thing that changes is training or study hall. Mm. Um, we had like ten to sixteen hours of study hall a week. Um, so as you like your grades get better, like you don't have to go to study hall. So that's how you can save a lot of time during the week. And then your workout schedule. So it just really depends on like where you fall in the workout schedule. So um, it's still it's it's still like an eighty hour plus a week. Yeah, you know, hundred hour a week thing. Like you don't get away from it. But when you love it, you know, um, it's not a problem. It's you know the guys who faded out were the people who weren't in love with the process. Mm. And again, something I you take from being an athlete, right? The guys who are successful are the guys who love the process. I loved lifting, I loved competing, and I loved my position. There were things about you know the process I hated, but the things that I loved the most outweighed everything. So that's what helped me get through it. Um, and then you know my journey through corporate, you know that was a struggle because I I wasn't in love with that, but I just knew it was like an, a necessary step to get me to where I wanted to go. But where I am today, uh, it's the same thing. I'm in love with this process. I, I love, you know, building this business, this technology. I believe in the product wholeheartedly. And when you find something like that, um, you're unstoppable. Mm. Yeah, no, no, that's amazing, man. Well, kudos, of course, for, for finding that. And a lot of people haven't. So that that's awesome that you mentioned that. Um, last quick football question for you. And then I want to translate to a little bit of what you're doing now. But uh, I know you played, what was it, five NFL teams that you played for? Or 
Six. Yeah, six. Yeah, jumped around. Yeah. So, like, I'm just curious. I mean, a podcast is next level minds, right? All about mindset. I mean, what what was kind of your mindset with jumping around? You mentioned being a journeyman, right? I mean, I imagine that was a bit tough, kind of translating so much to all these different teams. You know what? One percent of the people in the NFL have the experience that you think. um, Yeah. The NFL is like Uh, everybody. Everybody's expendable. Every year there's a younger, cheaper, healthier guy, you know, being drafted or coming into the NFL. So um, just getting there, you know, I wanted to be I wanted to be a professional athlete when I was younger. So getting there was a huge accomplishment. Um, But, yeah, it was absolutely tough. You know, I remember just being a bubble guy and uh, every day, you know, I'd get. I'd come into the locker room and just go make sure all my stuff was still in my locker, you know, cause like mm-hmm. you're expendable. Like, and it, sometimes it doesn't even make sense why they cut you. It's like, it's a business decision. It's like, Oh, this guy got hurt. We had to activate this guy, make room for this guy. We had too many of these guys. Like it's, it's like the places I played the best, like I was at the wrong, I was at the right place at the wrong time. Like I was playing the best football, you know, in San Diego in 2012, Arizona, 2012, um, I played some really good football in Cleveland and Washington, but it was just like they had a lot of guys in depth at that position or somebody got hurt and they needed to clear a spot, you know, bring somebody else who's more like as a veteran that can play right away. And I was a, I was a third down pass specialist and like a special teams guy. So I was more expendable than that guy who was on like a a $9 million contract, you know? So, um, but yeah, mindset is really just, you can't pay attention to, to what could happen and just pay attention to what's happening right now. Mm. Because I think a lot of people, me, including myself, like me and myself, I'm still struggling with this is I worry about what could happen and 99.9% of it never happens. But like, yeah. I always jump to worst case scenario, yep. <laughs> just yeah. kind of like a defense mechanism for me. It's like, Oh, this, this just <laughs> happened. It's going to fail. Like, Oh, everything's going to go wrong. You're right. Yeah. In my, in my like natural reaction is just to work harder and focus on it and obsess about it until like I fix it, you know, but it, I'm telling you, as I get older, you know, all the bad things that you obsess about, most of them, most of them don't happen. It's just you getting inside your own head. Yeah. No, that's, uh, I heard something the other day. It said fear has two meetings, uh, f- false evidence appearing real or face everything and rise. And so don't let mm-hmm. your fear yeah. create false evidence in your mind, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, so when you started in medical device sales, you obviously run your own company now, which we're going to start touching on for the you know back half of the show. But when you started, were you like, all right, I'm going to make as much money as possible so that I can fund my own thing or like kind of what was your motivator to make all the money? So how do I explain this? Um, you get excited when you, you have like an idea. Um, to start a business because of just all the possibilities. And obviously you think about money, but what takes you, you know, down the, down the, the long path journey of becoming a successful entrepreneur, it goes back to, again, you know, what we talked about as being an athlete, like you have to be number one, you have to love what you're doing. I mean, you have to love the grind. You have to love the process. You have to be patient. 
Um, and that's something I still am trying to struggle. I struggle with that every day. It's just like, I know like if this happened, we can go faster. If we had this, we can go faster. Or if that didn't happen, we'd be here. Right. Like I, I obsess about that stuff. Um, that's kind of like one of my downfalls, but you have to be obsessed with the, the, the product, the service, the business idea. You know, you have to love the process, putting the work, the calls, you know, building the websites, doing the SEO, you know, doing the interviews, you know, talking to upset customers because I'm telling you, you can, you, you'll work your butt off and try to over deliver to everybody. And you're not going to, there's just people out there you will never make happy. And those are the people that can just make you hate what you do because they will just do everything they can to make your life hell. Um, but yeah, I think it's really not about the money of becoming an entrepreneur. I think the long goal, you know, you think about it, but the personal development through becoming an entrepreneur, you'll, you'll become, you know, I'll take you a 50, 50 years in a, like a corporate career to get the experience and development and being an entrepreneur for five years, because every problem is your problem. You have to solve it. Um, you know, if you want to grow, you're going to have to solve problems. You know, if you're going to want to learn, you're going to have to try new things and, and fail. Um, and that's just a part of the journey. But, um, yeah, I think it's just not about the money anymore. I don't know. Like, we have money now and it's just like, it's not important. It's just when you have it, it's just, I don't know. I mean, we have more than we had five years ago, but it's just like, it doesn't make anything better. It's just now you yeah. think of different, you know, you think of it in a different way. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, a couple of years ago, me and two of my good friends, we tried to get a startup off the ground. I mean, we had a, a, a minimal viable product, made okay progress. It ultimately failed. Um, but I'm looking back, I'm like, man, I learned so much more in a year doing this than I did in like my entire four yeah. years in college as an entrepreneurship major, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah, very, same thing with corporate thing because yeah, in corporate, it's like, Oh, I messed up. I'm just going to pass this to somebody else. Right. It's not my company type of thing. So. Yep. Yep. Not my, not my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not my problem. This is so-and-so's yeah. problem now. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So switching gears, um, simply noted, um, obviously I did some research on it. I know the guest might've paused it and looked up the company a bit when we announced at the beginning, but how, how did you, first off, I mean, what is it? And then second, how did you really think of yeah. this idea? Cause it's very niche. Yeah. So simply noted is, um, you know, the, the world's largest handwritten notes platform. And what that means is we use robots that hold real pens that we build in house to create, automate and scale for businesses. So what that means is. Um, you know, we can help a company automate it through like a Zapier integration, an API integration, a webhook. So think of like an e-commerce website, a new, a new client, um, you know, signs up to their website, makes a purchase. We can automate a thank you card for that. Or, um, you know, a, a form fill on a website, someone signs up to your newsletter, we can automate a thank you card for that. Um, or just scale it. If you have like a, a mailing address list and like a, an Excel file, you know, we can send hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands custom, personalized, genuine pen-written notes, you know, for any reason um, in seconds. I mean, it's, I mean, it takes minutes. Um, I mean, less than five minutes. It's, it's a really easy process. And yeah, the, the, the idea came actually, um, and this is a part of my entrepreneurial journey. You know, I went back to school in 2017 because I just, I knew there was something else for me. And I think it's really important for young entrepreneurs to understand like, what you're looking for is not going to come because you want it to come. It's going to come 
through you just consistently trying new things, like talking to new people, going to new networking meetings, making new relationships, um, going to new events. And I, I'm naturally an introvert. So for me to do all this stuff, it, it was really painful. Like I have a social battery that runs out in like 30 minutes. Like my wife can talk all day. Like that's her job. But I, I literally would go to these events, guys. I mean, like I'm having PTSD thinking about this. Um, <laughs> I would like go to these events and I'd be there for like three or four hours and I would get in my truck and I would just like literally my head would feel like I'd wanted to explode um, because, you know, as an athlete, everybody comes to you. Like yeah. you're the magnet, like the agent, the trainer, the coach, the parents, the friends, right? They come to you. You know, when you get into the real world, you're, it's all external, right? Like nobody cares anymore. It's like you have to go to them, help them, you know, engage them, show interest in them. So, yeah, I would go to these events and because I was just desperately trying to find something because I just knew what I was doing wasn't working and that's not what I wanted to do for my career. I wanted something bigger and better. And I would get in this truck and I would literally just like get in there. I wouldn't even have no music. I'd lean back in my chair and just put my head back like, oh my God, I have like a headache. <laughs> it's just like, it was hard, but I got outside my comfort zone constantly. But um, yeah, I went back and did my MBA. Um, and about 12, 14 months into my program, I had a professor in a marketing class talking about the success rates in marketing. And everything was super nominal. And I was in sales, so I was trying to absorb everything and apply it to my career to make me more successful. And uh, he was going through like direct mail and phone calls and cold calls and knocking doors and email and all this stuff. And everything was like single digit success rates. And then he said, hey, guys, like at the end of the lecture, kind of jokingly, that, hey, guys, you know what really works, you know, more than ever, if not better than ever, is a good old fashioned handwritten note. And um, I was like, man, that's a no brainer. Like, but who has the time, yeah, right? Yeah. Like we were talking about it before this podcast. Like who has the time to sit down and write one, let alone 10 or hundreds or thousands, right? And it was just such a, it's such an important, valuable thing to do. But given the time of, you know, the life that we live in now, everything's digital and nobody wants to wait for anything and no one's patient. Everything needs to be done now or needs to be done immediately. There's just no way to sit down and do it. So I had a cohort classmate of mine and myself, we sat down, had an idea. We're like, hey, let's, I'm, I'm sh this would be a really cool business if we can figure out a way to like scale it or automate it, you know, for companies because it's just such a powerful business tool. And we looked up, there was a couple of companies doing it at the time. One was like, it was a funded company focusing on the wedding industry, which I thought was like the absolute worst niche. I was like, yeah. man, this guy's, this guy has to be smarter than me. Like he's a business entrepreneur. Like he's running his own business and he got funded. Like, but he chose to go down the wedding route. I was just like, why would you do that? Like it's bridezillas. Yeah. Like, and they're gonna be like, picky. If, I mean, I'm sure if you remember, you're just planning your wedding, right? How stressful is it? You got to plan all this stuff, get the guest yes. list, like the timing, right? It's it's you're working, right? Like it's a stressful thing, right? It's fun when you have your wedding, but it's stressful. And, and then there was one more one time, right? It's like one time. Yeah, that's the thing. And they don't have the budgets. They don't have mailing lists. I was like. It was such a terrible idea. And then we had a, a, another player in the space and they were doing B2C. So like, they were like trying to send like, thank you. Like realtors will send like a thank you card or mm. you can send your friend a thank you card. I was just like, again, scratching my head. I was like, these guys, I thought were, oh, they're super successful business people because they started a business. Like they have great ideas. But I was just like, still a really dumb idea. Like, yeah. why isn't anybody doing this for business? You know, they have the systems, processes, and budgets in place to pay for something like this, and they need it. It's in their best interest, right? It's in their best interest to build a good relationship with their client. 
So uh, we got a pen plotter from China, and uh, we had this pen plotter. It's really crappy technology. Um, and we, it took me about a month to write out 500 handwritten notes on that. So it's mm. hand-fed, software's crap, machine's crap. I mean, they didn't look good at all. I was kind of embarrassed to send it, but I was excited to see if it worked. So um, we sent them out to about, it was just about a list of 500 clients in my space in Arizona that I've never been able to work with. I pulled it from this free like library website. Like We sent 500 because that's what I could download for free. Like, <laughs> that's what they would let me download for free. And uh, yeah, out of those 500, I mean, it was just, this is where the entrepreneurial seizure moment happens. And this is what happens when you have, like, you have that idea, like your, your, butt just, your body just floods with like endorphins and excitement. We sent those 500. We had about 30 doctors, like 20, 30 doctors call me back. And if you're in sales and you have a client calling you, like you're doing something right. Yeah, like yeah. they were like super impressed. They're like, Hey Rick, um, First off, like, this is cool. Like, nobody sends a handwritten note anymore. Like, thanks for sending it. It's a lot more polite, right, versus knocking on their door and bugging yeah. them in their office, right? But they're like, hey, this offer sounds good. You know, I had a little offer in there for them to call me. Like, why don't you set up a lunch and let's talk about it. And my, my quote at the time was $50,000 a month. Um, in about six weeks, I sold $280,000 in new, like, business wow. to new clients who never worked with us, 20 grand in commission. I was just like, yes, yeah, this is it. Yeah, like, yeah. I knew it worked. Like business, let's go. Like like nuclear explosion went off. I was just like, what I've been looking for, and this is what I'm talking about. Anybody who's searching for that, it comes when when you least expect it. It really does. And that's that moment it happened where I was just like, thank you. It was like it was a very emotional thing for me because I was like, you know, I thought, oh, I was gonna play football for a long time. I was gonna have all this money. I'd be able to retire. Maybe open a gym. But then. That dream ended. I had to get in the corporate world, and I hated the corporate world. And um, I was looking for something, and just through constantly looking, and when I least expected it, an idea came to mind. I was interested in it. I took some steps. We figured something out, and then, you know, here we are. You know, five years later, you know, we've invested m millions of dollars back in this business, all from sales. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we can talk about this later. I didn't have millions of dollars to start this business. Um, we have 11 employees, That's you know, awesome. we're, we're kind of hitting that fun upswing now. Yeah. And going from being a W2 to being responsible for W2s is kind of a trip too. Like, like yeah. that, that's a whole new stressor, but yeah, it comes being from being curious, from being honest, from being genuine, mm. you know, there's a lot of bad people out there, but the right people you're going to attract and they're not going to let go of you. And those are the people that you're going to want, you know, in your circle that are going to help you go the long run. Dude, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm pumped up personally from this story. Um, especially how excited you got. And then, uh, that, <laughs> that, uh, I saw, I mean, seriously, like no matter how bad the days are, I still, I'd rather do this, you know, a thousand years than go back and do corporate for six yeah. more years. Dude, that, that's <laughs> like, hilarious yeah. about the, um, the, the quota, you know, just like blowing it out of the water just from doing the, the handwritten, you know, things that you said. Yeah, so. it works. <laughs> it works. Think about it. 99%, 99 out of 100. Think about that. Yeah. If your product is good enough, like it's just a tool to get in front of your client. Like, yeah. Like in a, a more meaningful, like realistic, tangible way that no one else is doing. So, I mean, we, it's one of our number one business development 
development tools. We'll, we'll send handwritten notes. We, I say we drink our own champagne over here because I, I, I'm pretty, I love our product. I think it's pretty phenomenal, but we use our, our stuff for our business development all the time. Yeah, man. I, I mean, dude, I think it just makes so much, it just breaks the water, right? Like it's so competitive out there for every single company. Um, and just a, a thank you note can go so far. I mean, my, the supplements yeah. that I use, like I'm actually wearing the shirt first form. Um, they, mm-hmm. uh, for Thanksgiving, like they just wrote me a handwritten note. Hey, we've seen you've been ordering a lot from our website. We really appreciate it. I hope you have a good Thanksgiving with your family. Who knows if they actually hand wrote it or from, you know, the robotic software, right? But it's like just the <laughs> just the thought that yeah. like, man, they actually like just sent this to me randomly and like wished me a good Thanksgiving. And then I instantly just bought like a bunch more stuff from them, even though I didn't really need it. Cause I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna support a company like this, you know? Yeah. So So what they just did is they they created a fan, right? Yeah. They just got you to be excited about them. Like it's a lot of reciprocity, right? Mm-hmm. Like you say, thank you. Um, you make someone feel appreciated or loved, right? Um, it's in that person's like innate natural nature to want to give back. Um, and that's what we help companies do. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, so revenue growth, I, I saw y'all have had a, I think it was 200%, you know, year over year revenue growth. So how did somebody who, you know, Played football, was good at sales, starting their first company. Like, how, how did you get to that? I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I've made every mistake imaginable. Mm. Um, I mean, I think one of the things, if I can give anybody as advice who's starting a company, um, and it's really hard because you have no money early on. And we started this with no money. Like, literally, I started this on a $10,000, 0% interest credit card that I was. Wow. I, I, I'm always a high credit guy. I was always 800 or more. So having a credit card like killed me, but that's how we started this. We just would put it on a credit card, pay it off, put it on a credit card, pay it off with sales from the business. But um, yeah, I would advise anybody if you can, um, before starting, get as much mentorship um, from seasoned entrepreneurs. So talk to, and most entrepreneurs who've been doing it for four or five or more years will talk to you. They just, they want to mentor you and give back because They've been where you're going to be and it hurts. It, inc- it hurts a lot, like a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of heartache and anxiety and stress, like, and they've been there, so they'll want to help you. But it, I would say talk to a lot of entrepreneurs or get like a consultant. Um, I've wasted hundreds of thousands of dollars in doing the wrong thing, but th- by in doing that is what made me get better. You know, it's what's, you know, we tried this, it didn't work. Or we tried this and this was the wrong solution. So we had to start over and do this. Um, But I mean, it was small mistakes that added up over time. But um, yeah, what I did early on, I just did everything, you know, what I did back in corporate medical device. You know, I went to like every networking meeting imaginable. Mm -hmm. I went to like the Chamber of Commerce, the BNI, the EOs, the, you know, Scottsdale after hour networking events, you know, I did everything just to talk to anybody and everybody about this. You know, I'd go to the Phoenix Convention Center at like the real estate conventions, the marketing conventions, like literally just went and talked to everybody, um, which is not the best way of doing it, but that's what and my you're, background you're was. you're introverted as well, right? So, Oh yeah, I'm telling you, it's like, I, I've had to get outside my comfort zone and everything here, yeah. but um, yeah, um, I mean, it was really just a ton of effort. You know, my, I had no pay-per-click budge or budget. I had no way to like spend money on ads because I had no money. Um, I didn't know what email marketing was. Yeah. I didn't know what social networking or social like marketing was. Like, <laughs> I didn't know any of it. I had to figure it all out. But um, 
I mean, we were really small our first year. We only had a, a, a few hundred thousand dollars in sales, and that was through a couple people I had really good relationships with, um, plus some like you know early, you know I call them lighthouse customers, people who <laughs> yeah. try you out, you know, first and kind of help lead other people to you. But what's really worked is uh, I tell everybody this is like the bullets and bowling ball technique. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to do a lot of test fires early on in your business before you send that big, massive cannonball. So think about like you're in a battle, like on a ship, and it's you versus one ship, and you only have one cannonball left. Like you got to do some test fires before you send that maximum damage to try to like protect your boat type of thing. So yeah. that's what we've always done. Um, you know, small test, small test, small test, small test, bang, you know, big cannonball. And we've been able to. Um, you know, weighed out some of the mistakes because we we didn't they weren't too big or catastrophic at the time. And you have to have that discipline as an entrepreneur. You have to take your time, um, and you can't try to rush it. You know, don't listen again. Back to what we talked about 20 minutes ago. Don't listen to these gurus yeah. like on social media. They're literally just trying to grow their audience and monetize it and get ads. Like that's all they're doing. Like yeah. they're all full. Of, they're all full of crap. And and they're teaching you yeah. how to build a business, but they've never built a business before type of thing. Yeah. So, no. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, and, yeah. Yeah. and then they're making money on top of all that. So it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, I've, I've built a software robotics and industrial automation company with zero experience. Um, but I've done it with a lot of passion, becoming a really good project manager. I was talking to one of my mentors recently. He's like, Rick, you're not a project manager. You're a business manager. Like you just know how to manage business. And it's, I thought that was a compliment because, you know, everybody has self-doubts. Like, can I do this? Am I good enough to do this? Why am I doing this? Right. But it's the people who can overcome that, um, that prevail, you know, managing a team of people, VAs, you know, engineers, software developers, SEO team, right. Dealing with clients, selling, collecting, doing taxes, right. All the stuff that you have to be good at and you have to be able to balance you know, as best as you can. Um, and that's how you become successful is learning how to, um, you know, take small risks before you, you throw it all in there and becoming a jack of all trades, but a master of none. Like I'm really good at sales. Like I can go out and like, I know how to sell, but yeah. all this other stuff, I've just, I feel like I've built like a, a proficiency, not an expert level. Like mm-hmm. I, I know how to get it done, but not at like a, you know, a level. Yeah, well, just not at like a master level. It's going to take years. Yeah. It's going to take years to master it. Yeah. I mean, when you're all on your own, right? You $10,000 credit card. Um, you don't have the flexibility to say, all right, Brutal. let me, let me just hire a, an accountant. Let me just hire this. Let me just hire that. It's like, you kind of have to figure it out as mm-hmm. you went. Right. Yeah. Well, you, that's the only way. I mean, anybody who tells you another way they're lying, um, yeah, I mean, our first year we had a few hundred thousand dollars in sales, you know, but every year, you know, everything compounds. Like, if you can stay consistent, that's why most people like fail, like, as they give up. Mm. Um, I was talking about this on another podcast recently. You only fail when you quit. Yeah. If you don't quit and you can wake up and just 
have like, you know, here's five things I'm going to do every single day, no matter what, whatever it is. If it's, you know, send a certain amount of emails, make a certain amount of calls, don't stop until you set a certain amount of appointments and make them manageable to where they're not super stressful. Um, if you can just somehow figure out how to muster up the energy to do it every single day, five days a week and don't stop, it's going to compound. And that's what happened here. It's like, we're the, there's a couple players in this space. We're the only ones that aren't funded. Um, wow. I think, I think funding is kind of a shortcut or, you know, a lack of, um, you know, pain tolerance yeah, <laughs> because yeah. it's knowing when you have someone else's money to spend and not your own, like you're pulling someone else into the, the shark pit or the, you know, the lion's den with you versus just doing it by yourself. Plus a lot of bad things happen with funding. You know, it's not always best for the client, but, um, you know, being able to sit there and just have that consistency over time, it's it will compound. What people like to see as well, and I'm seeing this now, people I talked to four years ago, they want to see you're serious about what you're doing, not like trying to do some get-rich-quick thing. They want to see you struggle, especially like real big businesses. Like before they hand you over those big contracts that you want, they want to see that you, you deserve it. Yeah. They want to see that you can handle it, that that you know, you're treating other people right, you're getting good reviews, you have a good product, you're reinvesting back into your product, um, and you're not just trying to you know, scale something in 12 months and then try to sell it. Um, the, the real players who are you know, the old veterans, 50, 60-year-old business owners, they're not gonna waste their time with a 30-year-old entrepreneur, you know, unless you have just some revolutionary product, which is so rare. Um, they're, they're going to wait and kind of sweat you out and make you earn it. And I, I'm okay with that because I like it. Yeah. I mean, they did the same thing probably to get, you know, where they're at in their seat. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they know. Yeah, they like, know. And the, how hard it hurts. And, you know, they're, they're probably <laughs> laughing a little bit to themselves if I yeah. remember those days. Right. So it's a, it's a coming of age yeah. of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. You have to earn it. You have to be willing to go through the, the crap. Yeah. Um, and if you are going through it and you're making baby steps, you're doing the right thing. And if it's too easy, you're doing something wrong or it's, you know, you're, you're building your house on like a stick foundation. It's going to come collapsing down on you sooner or later. Yeah, man. I, I like everything that you mentioned there, especially the part about being consistent, right? It's like, if you just keep doing it over and over and over and over again, like eventually it's going to work out. Of course you have to be doing the right things. Right. But I think too many people. Yeah. You just up. don't want to, um, yeah, you don't want to be doing, how do you say it? Like the the definition of in, insanity is just doing the same, the same thing, thing yeah. and expecting a different result, right? Like you want to be studying, right? Like what am I doing today? Like, you know, when I was as an athlete in college, we watched every single rep of every single practice every single day. Like we'd spend two or three hours a day in film watching yesterday's practice. And what was consistent was watching film, right? So we were basically critiquing and like our coaches were coaching us every single day, but we were making improvements or getting coached every single day to, to improve. Right. So you don't want to sit there and do the same type of, if you're gonna make 50 phone calls, don't have the same intro, you know, hook and line every single day. Right. Like do them for two weeks and see what your, your con connection rate was or your demo or booked a meeting rate was. And if it wasn't good enough, switch it up. Yeah. And then try that again, right? And see if it was better or go on YouTube and watch a video on like cold calling or research it or read a book or do something like you have to improve, right? So um, I would say have those activity metrics you do every single day, but mm -hmm. keep on top of them, you know, like 
try to go to a better networking meeting. Like, don't go to that one that you're comfortable with because your friends are there. Go to one that where the big, big fish CEOs are and the big dogs hang out, right? If you listen, and I hate Grant Cardone, but I, I'm willing to listen to anybody just to kind of hear their thoughts. But, you know, as a young person, I think you're 27. I think yeah. you said that earlier. Like, if you're young with no kids, you shouldn't be eating breakfast at home. You should be going and hanging out in, like, the areas a couple times a week where, the like, the successful people mm-hmm. are eating, right? Because they're out having meetings, and they'll see you around. And sooner or later, you're going to be able to introduce yourself. Like, hey, I, I see you're always here. You know, my name is Rick. You know, it's nice to meet you. Like, what do you do? Blah, 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 right? Yeah. Like, you don't know who you're going to meet. Just like how I wasn't, I didn't know what I was going to get into when I got into my MBA, right? Like you never know, but you have to put yourself in those situations. So um, have those activity metrics, make sure you hit them every day, but constantly study them, make improvements, get outside your comfort zone every single day. Um, it's going to take years of being like, like seriously, like you're going to lose sleep. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to have more stress than you've ever had. But if you can figure out a way to push through it, have the support system, you know, friends and family, cut, get away, get rid of the trash. You know, there's some bad people in your life you probably don't need. Um, they don't need to be there anyways. And uh, get through it. And it's it's 100% worth it if you make it to, <laughs> to the other out, side. Yeah, but yeah. just keep going and keep trying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> just keep trying. Dude, that was... Yeah. Um... That was some fantastic, just final advice. I mean, I, I hope everyone listens, goes back, rewinds it, takes some notes. Of course, if you're not driving, don't do that while you're driving, but uh, rewind it, take some notes, man. So I appreciate you saying all that. Last question for you. Um, I believe habits, good or bad, create your life, right? So what are some habits that you have in place? I'm sure a lot of people out there may be wondering that. Habits as a, a CEO. It could be like right, reading, business gym, or, life. or is it like I, I go to the gym five days a week? Business or life? I'm fine. I'll, I'll do a life. personal one to start. Um, so as I mean, somebody who used his body to make money his whole life, like I could push through anything. Um, like I literally could push through anything. Like I don't. But I, something changes when you get into like your early to mid thirties. I don't know if it's becoming a father or it's just like getting older, but. Um, to be able to handle that stress, that anxiety, um, I don't even want to tell you like some of the really darker moments of being a, an entrepreneur because the stress and anxiety will affect your your health in certain ways. Um, you'll get sick a lot more. I mean, you'll just you'll have a, a lot of issues. So, personally, what I do now, what I've been focused on the last year is, I mean, I'm always doing cold tub. I'm do I have a cold tub at my house. I have a sauna at my house. I'm walking five or six times a day at my office to get outside, get in the sun. Um, I have a gym at my house. Like that's what my first love and passion was. So I don't get out there as much as I want, but I at least make sure I'm working out twice a week out there, even if it's for 15 minutes, but you have to take care of your physical health. It's and if you're 25, you're going to roll your eyes. But when you get to 35, 34, 35, that is what's going to shut you down faster than anything else. Like not your business isn't going to fail. Like your health is going to fail, especially if you're pushing hard and you're, you're, you're really getting into some situations that are just so far outside your comfort zone. So I would say take care of your personal health. That's my priority now. Um, you can call it meditation. You know, I'll do like breathing exercises. Um, there's some cool apps out there. Um, but then business-wise... Um, I just so good. I told you earlier in the day, like I just get into the office every single day. Um, I do make a certain amount of calls. Um, I make sure I call every client, um, that makes a a new client on our our website. So I make it a a point to call and reach out to them. Mm. 
And um, if we have any bad experience, I'm more like client facing yeah, yeah. stuff and more fit because we're at that point now. If I'm not developing or working with engineers or software developers, I'm like working on contracts or new clients. But any new clients, I call them, thank them, right? Or if there's any like bad experiences, I'm dealing with a lot of that too because like, you know, you're just not going to meet everyone's expectations. So um, I do a lot of, they call them postmortems. Like, Anybody should do this with their business is like, if you have a client that doesn't go good, incentivize them to have one more meeting with you and just have like an offboarding, like, Hey, really sorry. You know, like that didn't work out for you, but you know, we want to make sure, you know, everything goes smoother. If there's an opportunity to work with you in the future and like, just can you, we talk about your experience, you know, give them a $10 Starbucks gift card or something, incentivize them to meet with you. So I'm doing a lot more like client facing stuff and development stuff now, but get in the office every day, show up every single day. Rain or shine, whether you feel like it or not, like consistency is key. Consistency is compounding interest. It's going to add up over time. And those people that you're competing with, they're going to fall off, you know, left and right year after year. And you're just going to, the cream's going to rise to the top with consistency. Yeah, man. I, I like that you mentioned all that. I think a uh, big theme of today's episode, of course, is consistency uh, that we've been talking mm-hmm. about. So, Awesome, man. Well, where can people connect with you? Um, Learn more about Simply Noted, all that stuff. I want to make sure you can share all that. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm on LinkedIn basically all day. It's like my number one social tool. So it's just Rick Elmore, E-L-M as in Mary, O-R-E. So it's just Rick Elmore and Simply are on on LinkedIn. Or if you want, I I think anybody should just request a sample kit because everybody could use this at some point in their lives. True. You go to an interview and you want to send someone a thank you letter and you don't have a stamp, you simply noted. You know, if you're in sales and you want to thank all your clients or send a holiday card, you simply noted. If you're a marketer and want to automate it, use it. But simplynoted.com is just how it's spelled. S as in Sam, I, M as in Mary, P-L-Y, and noted.com. And then just go to our business page. Um, it's the, the first hyperlink at the top of the page and you can request a sample kit. I don't know if this is video. Um, but we sent a really nice, like nine by 12, like pocket folder with writing samples, styles, brochures, case studies, you know, pricing, that type of stuff. And if there's ever a need, um, at least you have a sample kit so you can really touch it and feel it, you know, lick your fingers, smudge the ink. You'll, you'll just be really impressed with the the quality of this product. Yeah. I like that, man. And I'll, I'll throw all that in the show notes for you. Um, there's a lot of salespeople that listen to this podcast. So I feel like they'll be like, man, I'm. If I can find something not to have to write 50 notes over the holidays, I'm, I'm signing up. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you'll see your wrist will thank you later. Yes, 100%, brother. Awesome, man. This was a blast. Thank you so much for being a guest on the show today, Rick. It's great to be here. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's it, everyone. Thanks again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to connect with Rick on social media. His links will be below in the show notes. And most importantly, please check out Simply Noted if you want to streamline your processes, especially if you're running your own business in sales, real estate, whatever, you could utilize Simply Noted. So be sure to check out the website, which will also be in the show notes. Other than that, hope everyone has a fantastic week ahead.